We are continuing our series today called Seek and You Will Find. It's all about seeking things from God. We've been talking about that for weeks, so I'm not gonna go too far into that, but Jesus told us, ask, seek, and knock. Because if you ask, you're gonna receive. If you seek, you find. If you knock, the door will be open. So he's saying, go ahead and do that. So we've been seeking after and trying to find peace in our hearts, trying to find our people. And today we're gonna talk about finding our purpose. So these are the things we've been seeking after in this series. Let me ask you this question. We're talking about finding our purpose. Do you believe that you are here on this planet for a reason, that your life matters, that it makes a difference? Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Now, I know a lot of you know what you're supposed to say. (laughs) If you're a Christian person, oh yeah, I'm here for a reason. You know, and a lot of people who aren't Christians, oh yeah, I'm here for a reason. But do you really believe that? Do you honestly believe that your life makes a difference, that you have true purpose, that if it wasn't for you, there would be things that go undone, that this world would be a worse place if you weren't here? Let me tell you, I believe that your life actually matters, and I also believe that the Bible proves it. I honestly believe that. Now, there's that cute little acronym, you know, Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. You know, that's something somebody made up. It's a cute little idea. But The Bible is our guide for living and the Bible is full of purpose statements, reasons to be, things to make our life about, things that matter. So today I wanna look at purpose statements from the Bible. We're going to start with Jesus. Jesus' life mattered. He was here for a reason and there are purpose statements about the life of Jesus Christ in the Bible. So let's look at some of those and let's get a grasp of what Jesus was here for. His life was a life of purpose. So we're gonna start back before Jesus was born. You know, we're coming up on Christmas here pretty soon. Mary was pregnant And Joseph was like, hey, how did that happen? So Joseph was going to put her away quietly. But then the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, you know, hey, it's okay, man. I know this is an unusual situation, but it's okay. And here's something that the Lord said to Joseph in the dream, verse 21 of chapter one of Matthew. The Lord says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus is the Greek form of the name Joshua and it means the Lord saves. So name him the Lord saves because he's going to save his people from their sins. Joseph was told that Jesus had a reason for being here, that his life was gonna matter. And he was told before Jesus was even born, even told what to name him because it was symbolic of the salvation that the Lord would bring. Then let's go to Matthew chapter seven. Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount gives a reason, a purpose statement behind his being here on the earth. Matthew 5, 17 and 18 says this, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything 
is accomplished. So Jesus is saying that he didn't come here to abolish the law. He's not taking away the law. He's fulfilling the law. He's bringing it to the place of fulfillment. And just let me give an example of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath, one of the Ten Commandments, keep the Sabbath holy. The idea behind the Sabbath was rest and focus on God. Six days to work, six days to worry about all the things of the world. That's great. Take a day. Don't bother with the things of the world. Get some rest and focus on God. Build your relationship with God. That's the idea of the Sabbath. In Jesus' day, it had become all this crazy religious legalistic hassle deal, you know, like that all these rules and it was actually a lot of work to uphold the Sabbath. And so Jesus was fulfilling the law. He was helping them see what the Sabbath is really about. So you see him kind of bucking the system with regards to the Sabbath, even though he says he's here to fulfill the law. His purpose was to bring the followers of God into walking in the spirit, not walking by a list of rules that they didn't understand and would misapply. So he's bringing people into the era of the Holy Spirit, walking with God, having the spirit of God in us, not just following a bunch of rules that we don't understand. So he came to fulfill the law, to bring the followers of God out of religious legalism into walking by the Spirit. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 9. We'll get a bunch of these from the book of Matthew and a few from a couple other places. Luke and John will go to too. But Matthew 9, 12 and 13, Jesus has called Matthew. He's a tax collector. He's eating with them. People are mad at him. And so this is how he deals with that. Verse 12 of Matthew chapter 9, 12 and 13. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So why did Jesus come? He came to call sinners, to find people who were missing the mark, who were missing what their lives were supposed to be about, who were having destruction instead of good things, who were missing God in their life to call them in to follow God. So he came to call uh, sinners, not to call the righteous. Now, how many righteous are there? Yeah, there's none righteous, okay? So the self-righteous are the ones that, you know, I'm fine just the way I am. Okay, well, then Jesus isn't going to help you much because you're going to be unwilling to listen to the message. But if you realize you need some help, then Jesus is there to help you. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 10. This one is a, a difficult one. I don't like to just read all the nice scriptures. I like to read the other ones too. So here's something that Jesus has to say that takes a little bit to understand. Still in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 36 says this. Do not suppose, and Jesus is speaking again here, a purpose statement for himself. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. So does that sound like the Jesus we know? You know, Prince of Peace, all this stuff. Like uh, he came to, to bring a sword, not peace. Well, he's actually quoting prophecy from the Old Testament, Micah chapter seven, 
verse 6. And what Jesus is saying is, look, there is going to be a battle here. This is not going to be a simple process. Of course, God would like everyone to get along, everyone to love God, to repent of their sins, to love each other, and to have everlasting life. That's what God wants. It's his will that none would perish. But he knows, because he's real smart, and it doesn't take much to figure it out, that there are going to be people who are going to reject God, and there's going to be a battle there. It's going to be a fight. If you're going to truly walk with God, you're going to lose some friends. You might have family members like I do who just absolutely (laughs) do not tolerate Christianity. And it can be a, a struggle of a situation. And this is just a reality. So Jesus didn't come to make everybody happy. Jesus came to testify to the truth of God. And that's going to create a battle. It's going to create some friction because when somebody's following God and somebody else can't tolerate that, it's going to create some friction. So that's another purpose statement to not run away from the conflict that comes for standing up for the truth. Then let's go to Matthew chapter 20. We got verses starting in verse 25 and we're gonna read through 28. Matthew 20, 25 says this. So there was a big squabble among the 12 disciples that would become the apostles except for Judas, but there was a squabble. And so Jesus calls a special staff meeting and this is what he says. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what was the purpose of Christ? This purpose statement, Jesus came to serve others, not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Not to be the big man and have everybody think he's awesome, but to serve others and to sacrifice his life to redeem the world. He gave his life as a ransom for many. So that's a purpose statement for Christ. Then the deepest one is probably Luke chapter four, starting in verse 16, Jesus goes to church which was his custom, and he sits down to read and he's going to share a message. And the message is that there is a scripture that's being fulfilled through Christ. And so here we go. Verse 16 of Luke 4 through 21. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So he was a regular church attender. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What scripture is fulfilled? That Jesus came here for a reason. He was here for a purpose. He was here commissioned by God to proclaim good news to the poor, to give freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the gospel message, you know, freedom 
and vision. Oh man, I tell you what, that's a, that's a deep, deep thing. He's quoting back from Isaiah chapter 61, you know, and he is saying, this has come to pass. We're in the middle of it. It is time now to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's like, now's the time I'm here to do that. So he had purpose. Just to wrap this up, let's go to the gospel of John chapter three, verse 17. So you probably know John 3, 16. A lot of people know that one, but let's read John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, the oppressed, the poor, the blind, to help people, to bring salvation to this world, not condemnation, but salvation. So Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. So he came for a purpose. There's a lot more that could be said about the purpose of Christ on this earth, but I think you get the picture. And here's the uh, the obvious, imagine you see this as the obvious turn of the sermon. And you are here for a purpose too, especially if you're a follower of Christ, then now you are commissioned to carry on the work of Christ. The cause of Christ is now your cause. The things Jesus came to do are now things that the followers of Jesus do. And so we walk in the purpose of Christ. So let me tell you, you were created by God to make a difference now. And the good news is you are also created to enjoy everlasting life with God. So now purposeful, meaningful change in this world because of you, you are called by God to do that and to know that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we have everlasting life in the paradise of God. And that's just fantastic. Let me give an example of Peter. I'm going to go to Luke chapter five is the calling of Peter. And I wanna look at one through 11 here, but we're gonna focus on verse 10. Pay attention, but there's just a few words in verse 10 that I think are so important that we need to grasp. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, we will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. What an incredible confession of Peter before Christ. He realized, oh man, I am in the presence of a holy man. You know, I don't know that he fully understood who Jesus was at that moment, but he knew he was in over his head that this man was from God. So he says, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. But he did not take Peter's advice for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. So what did Jesus do? He says, don't be afraid in verse 10. From now on, you will fish for people. 
From now on, those three words I think are significant. From now on, okay, yeah, you used to be like this. Yeah, you were a sinful man. Guess what? There's forgiveness for that. There's redemption from that. I will take you out of that and give you a life of purpose and meaning. From now on, you will fish for people. So Jesus came, you know, to seek and to save the lost. And he calls Peter to seek and to save the lost, to be a fisher of people. And that's what he does for us. God gives us purpose in this life. There are all kinds of purpose statements in the scriptures. And I want to look at a variety of those purpose statements. And I want to know which ones resonate with you. I want you to look in your heart. Yeah, you know what? That's what I need to do because you are here for a reason. You are here for a purpose. You are here to make a difference in this life. God has called you to that. If you're running away from God or you've been walking with God for a long time, now you're bored. Guess what? It's time for you to renew your purpose, to find out who you truly are in Christ and to grab hold of a life of meaning. So let's jump into that. We're going to continue in the book of Matthew. I'm just going to read a bunch of different purpose statements. And whichever ones of these really resonate with you, I want you to grab hold of them. I want to grab hold of perfect too. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Let's see how this is a purpose statement. It says this, come to me. So come to me, Jesus says, okay, that's your purpose statement. Come to Christ. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus says, come to me, come to Christ, and then take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So he's calling people to come to him and then to learn the ways of God, learn the ways of Christ. And that is a purpose statement to come to Christ. That's part of why you're here, your purpose for being, you know, to come to Christ and then learn from him, learn from Jesus, learn through the scriptures, learn through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the ways of God. Come to him and learn from him. It's not going to be bad. It will give you rest. And then let's jump to chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, the Great Commission. So we come to Christ. That's an important part of our purpose in this life to come to Christ and to learn the ways of God. But then it goes beyond that. Verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus is commissioning his followers to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them everything, all the things of God. So that's a purpose. So the first one, to come to Christ, to learn his ways. Now to go and bring that message to other people to help them come to Christ and learn the ways of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20 talks about being ambassadors for Christ. It's the same basic concept. So I'm not gonna read that, just wanted to reference it. But there's a calling to be an ambassador for Christ. Yes, we are reconciled to God first and then we receive the ministry of reconciliation and we can help other people be reconciled to God. So we come to Christ, we learn the ways of God and then we share the ways of God and the ability to be reconciled to God with others. 
Let's keep reading here because there's a whole bunch of purpose statements and we are just going to barely scratch the surface here. But I want to go to Romans chapter 12, verse 21. One of my very favorite verses in the Bible, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Maybe this is a purpose statement for your life. You've been through some garbage. You've been hit by the evil and the darkness of this world and people you care about have been hit by the evil and the darkness of this world. But you're not called to be a victim. You're not called to be crushed and despondent and in despair and without hope. You're called to overcome the evil of this world with the good things of God. You're called to overcome through love and joy and peace and patience. You're called to be an overcomer even though you've been through the hard hardships and the difficulties of life because you're not going to be overcome by evil, but you're going to overcome evil with good. This is a purpose statement that might be a purpose statement for your life. And then you can help other people who have been hit by the darkness of this world, who are wounded and damaged and have gone into self-medicating and you can help them not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You can be part of that. This is a purpose statement. Let's go to Galatians 5 chapter 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So what is that talking about? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The apostle Paul is talking to the church in Galatia about being set free from dead religion. There is a form of religion and it doesn't matter if it's high church or low church, if it's robes and candles and chanting or if it's, you know, jeans and the little microphone thing and whatever, like doesn't matter. It can be dead religion in the modern style. It can be dead religion in traditional style, but Paul is calling them out of dead religion. And he's saying, Hey, you got out of that for a while, but now you're slipping back into legalism. You're slipping back into dead religion. It says, stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Maybe you've been through dead religion. You've been through an oppressive religious culture that has nothing to do with the freedom that comes in Christ. And you need to be free, not burdened by that yoke of slavery. And you can help other people be free. Hallelujah. Grab hold of that purpose in your life. Let's go to Galatians chapter six, verse one. So it says this, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. So there are people who have stumbled, who have fallen, who have gotten their life off track and somebody needs to come in and help them gently restore them without being corrupted themselves, but help others. Maybe you're somebody who's like, yeah, you know what? I I hate it when people sabotage their lives and it just hurts me and I wanna help them. Well then Galatians 6.1 is a purpose statement for your life. Restore people gently, have some empathy, have some kindness and come alongside people who have have messed their lives up, who have shipwrecked their faith and come and help them come back to Christ, get their lives in order. You'd be one of those people that comes and restores. Let's go to Romans 10. Almost every verse in the Bible is a purpose statement, but I like Romans 10. You know, here in, uh, in our day, we're running into supply chain issues and this is the gospel supply chain. In Romans 10, we're going to read 13 through 15 and it says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. 
And so they need to hear in order to believe, but it needs to be preached in order for them to hear. And somebody needs to go in order for it to be preached. Well, somebody's got to send people in order for somebody to go, for somebody to preach so that they can hear. And there's any number of different parts of the gospel supply chain that maybe you're part of. Maybe you're somebody whose gift is giving to missions to help missionaries go and spread the gospel around the world. You know, whatever it is, maybe you're somebody who's called to go and raise that support and go ahead and go. Whatever it is, maybe you're part of the gospel supply chain. Let's go to James. You know, I'm just touching these real quick because there's just a million things to say and I want to just touch a whole bunch of these to try to help you see that maybe you thought your life was meaningless and purposeless, but that in Christ, you can grab hold of one of these purpose statements and you can just go forward with it. So James 1.27 says this, religion that God our father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So two major different concepts here with this religion that God finds as pure and faultless. The first thing, help people who need help. Orphans and widows back then, especially, man, orphans and widows, help people who need some help. And then don't let yourself be corrupted by the world. Don't let the darkness of this world sink into your heart. Walk in the ways of God, learn the ways of God, learn the love of God, learn the peace of God, learn all of the good things of God, and don't let the darkness of this world penetrate your heart while you are showing love and helping those who need help, like the widows and orphans in our world. There's obviously, there's lots of more types of people that need some help, but maybe you are somebody who's there to help. You're somebody who's there to make a difference in somebody's life by helping them with some practical needs and then walking with God without being polluted. Let's go to 1 Timothy 4.16 says this. It says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. All right, so watch your life and doctrine closely. So if you are somebody who's been a seasoned Christian, maybe you're somebody who's in ministry, you're serving the Lord, watch your life and your doctrine closely. So this is a purpose for you. Like in James 1, don't be polluted by the world. You know, you got to keep on the straight and narrow. You know, just because you're in ministry doesn't mean that it's just magically going to work out. You got to keep yourself on the right path. You can get sucked into the things of the world. So watch your life and your doctrine closely. And doctrine there is not exactly theology. You know, like don't lie is doctrine. You know, watch that sort of a thing. And of course, theology too. You know, I think watching that means don't get too far into the weeds and, and become one of the teachers of the law, you know, like you see in the scriptures who misses the things of God because they've missed the forest for the trees. You don't want to get there. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It will make a difference for you and for people around you. You know, like a person in a ministry position, when a, a ministry person falls, it damages other people. You want to watch your life and your doctrine closely. Don't get off on some weird theological tangent. Don't get into moral failure. Do that. You know, you're going to be walking the straight and narrow. You're going to be helping other people do the same thing. So that's a purpose that is a sustaining purpose over time. And then the last one we're going to read uh, as we're starting to run out of time here. I could do this for forever. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 58. It's a fantastic verse. It says this, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. 
Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So here Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth. He's saying, let nothing move you. Are there things in this life that can push us off of the firm foundation of Christ where we can be shaken, where we can be moved, we can be confused and blown here and there for sure. But don't let that happen. Let nothing move you. Stand firm in the faith and always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let me tell you, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And maybe you're in your 80s and you taught Sunday school for decades. Guess what? Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Hallelujah that you did that. You know, praise God for you. That's amazing. There are things that those kids who are now, some of them are grandparents, whatever, like they are carrying with them because of the ministry you did so long ago. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And for people who are serving God diligently right now that feel like nothing is getting accomplished, let me tell you, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Keep working at it. Keep going forward. Keep grabbing a hold of the good things of God. Any of those resonate with you? There's a lot more in the Bible than that. If you're like, wow, yeah, none of that really made any sense to me. Then pick up the Bible, read through the New Testament, seek God for purpose. The first thing is gonna be to come to Jesus. And after that, it's gonna be to share the good things of God with this world, whatever they might be. If it's setting the oppressed free, if it's helping take care of widows and orphans, if it's restoring people who are broken, if it's not being overcome yourself, but overcoming evil with good, like you can find some purpose in Christ. Let me tell you this. Jesus wouldn't die for someone whose life was doomed to be a pointless waste of time, all right? Jesus died for you on the cross. He didn't die for somebody whose life is a pointless waste of time. He died for somebody who is called into purpose, called to have their life matter, called here for a reason. I hope you know you're here for a reason. If, even if you've been a Christian, but you've never had a personal relationship with Christ, today's your day. There's a God in heaven that knows your name. You're not just a face in a crowd that's unknown to God. He knows you. He knows your situation. He has forgiveness and redemption and new life. He has a purpose for you, just like with Peter, who he called out of being a fisherman into being a, a fisher of people. He called Peter into a life of purpose and he has a life of purpose for you, but it starts with you being personally redeemed, you receiving the forgiveness of God and a new life of walking with Christ, learning his ways, and then sharing the good things of God with others. So that is there for you. And if you do know Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, I want you to honor him by walking in his ways. If you know the story from John chapter 13 of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, an amazing idea where the Alpha and the Omega, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, takes the place of the lowest of the servants and washes the feet of his disciples. And he says he did that as an example to them that they should wash each other's feet. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're starting to get bored with it, or you, you know somehow you're missing the point, serve others and give your life to help others. That's where you'll find your purpose that's where you'll be walking in the ways of Christ. And it's counterintuitive. We'll talk more about that next week. But when we give our lives to serve Christ, we receive purpose and meaning in our life. So let's pray 
and then let's go serve the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your great plan of redemption. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you answered the call that you were you know, destined for, that was the plan, the purpose, the reason you were here. Lord Jesus was to live as an example for us and to die in our place, to ransom us, to redeem us, that we could have forgiveness and new life. And so Lord Jesus, we remember what you've done. We remember that your body was broken for us and that your blood was shed for us. And so Lord, we honor you, we worship you, and we thank you for that. Help us to walk in that healing. Help us to walk in that forgiveness, walk in that redemption and live a new life of serving you. So Lord, be with us, touch our hearts by your spirit as we honor you. Thank you, Lord, again for your goodness, for your redemption, for your love, and for giving us a life of purpose. Help us each to find it, to know that we're here for a reason and to grab hold of the meaning you've got for our lives. So encourage us with this. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.